Episode 34 of the Shark Bites Podcast, a Throwdown Thursday production. I am your host, Patsy Rahal. Oh my God, I've been doing this on every single show. I keep saying my name and then my nickname at the same time. I am Patrick Rahal, also known as Patsy the Angry Nerd, the Prince of Sharkness. And uh, I am, of course, here in the Pat Cave in Magenta Manor, and I am brought to you as part of the Dorkening Network by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Uh, once you go deadly, you don't go back. And I am not alone today because I am continuing my Mel Brooks series. Today we are going to be discussing 1993's Robin Hood Men in Tights. But like I said, I am not alone. I am joined by Andy Diceman of the Epic Tales of uh, RPG, powered by Amalgamania. Andy, how are you doing today? Ahoy! I'm doing fine. I believe there should be a captain in there somewhere. Well, on this ship, I'm the captain, so... But yes, you are the captain of uh, of your of your uh, your vessel. I believe I was uh, I, I promoted myself to commodore, so uh, that's I believe there should be a captain in there, sir. <laughs> oh yeah, I believe I promoted myself to uh, pirate king. So yeah, I didn't vote for you. Um, I am also joined by Jordan from Amalgamania, the Amalga Files, uh, multiple podcasts, and she's also part of our uh, our little pirate group over at uh, Epic Tales. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm good. I think I'm, what, quartermaster, something like that? Yes, you are quartermaster, which means anytime someone needs yeah. uh, change for laundry, that's uh, they go to you. Um, I don't know that if that's right here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's exactly how it works. And uh, we are also joined by my good friend, the uh, head of the Dorkening Network. And uh, let's see, what are my notes? Leop on D. Oh, I'm sorry. Leo Pond. Leo, how are you doing today, buddy? Uh, Doing okay. So going with the theme, I would be what? What is it? Squab? What is the guy that like washed the deck? (laughs) <laughs> a cabin cabin boy this is stowaway <laughs> stowaway <laughs> ah, a yeah. bilge rat <laughs> I'll, I'll take stowaway stowaway is a good one It'd be like uh, uh, last crusade the, no ticket yeah. <laughs> I'm the dead weight you throw overboard as soon as you find me yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> You better have a skill. Uh, I can, I can. I said I had four years of ballet, six years of jazz tap. All right. While we sing our sea shanties, you can dance us a, a jaunty jig. Uh, but yeah, like I said, we are uh, we're discussing Mel Brooks' 1993 film Robin Hood Men in Tights. But before we do, I kind of want to get a little bit of background on each of you folks and like where you. Uh, kind of stand on the Mel Brooks fandom, like when you first got to see them, and uh, you know some of your favorite stuff, and then we'll get in a, a, into the discussion. So, first thing I want to do is, uh, like I said, I'm going to go alphabetical order, so the same way I introduced everybody. So, Andy, what is your favorite Mel Brooks film? And it's okay if it's this one. 
Oh my gosh, I I'd have to say the one I've probably seen the most is Spaceballs, and that's probably my favorite. Rick Moranis and his just what are you always preparing for? Just go like just the back and forth between him and 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 uh, his I guess first mate or whatever you call him on a spaceship, uh, his second. Uh, just, just, just killed me. I think the uh, instant video mm. was was my favorite. Um, then, then I was introduced to Blazing Saddles, um, then Robin Hood Men in Tights, and finally, uh, Young Frankenstein's the one I've probably seen the least. And I can't say that I've actually ever watched. Um, oh, is it the History of the World Part One? Yeah. Yeah, I've only a, I think I've only ever seen it on TV and he's like get that piece of horse out of the street. I actually just watched that for the first time a couple weeks ago, which kind of like Okay, so I'm not so I'm not alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those like that flew under the radar. I dare say they jammed it. <laughs> There's only one man who would dare give me the raspberry. I will say this, after last week's episode of Blazing Saddles, uh I found that the majority of folks, because I asked like who would want to do what show and who likes what movies in a, in a couple of polls that I did, the majority of people around my age tend to kind of focus and gravitate towards Spaceballs. And I think that's partly because as kids, we got to see Star Wars and Star Trek. Like there was a, a heavy influence of those films. And then Spaceballs comes out and it's a parody. Um, plus, like that would be right around the age that we would start watching these movies anyways. So, Jordan, same question to you. What is your favorite Mel Brooks film? Well, um, I'm I'm the baby in the group here. Uh, That's I true. was I was literally like one or two years old when Robin Hood Men in Tights came out. Um, so I didn't see these movies until later on. Um, and Robin Hood Men in Tights was definitely the first one that I saw. And it's, it's always, you know, held a, a special place in my heart, um, perhaps because it was the first one that I saw. And I saw it, you know, I was, I don't know, maybe like 14. So I was old enough to understand the jokes. And it was, you know, one of the first movies that I saw like that. Um, but I love Spaceballs also. Um, that's definitely a close second for me. And I mean, I just, I love the humor of it all. Um, and that, you know, the Mel Brooks movies, they don't take themselves too seriously. Like if they want to make a joke about, you know, circumcision, that's what they're going to do. And I, I just, I don't know. I love that. I love that aspect of it. Yeah. I'm surprised that that made the cut. Uh, uh, Leo, how about you? Favorite Mel Brooks film? Ah, uh, well, um, I don't know. This this was a really good one. I'd have to say, since it was the first one I saw, Young Frankenstein, uh, or Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, so I'd have to uh, drive in. Um, I think sometime in the eighties, it was like a uh, a, a old run that I was playing. Uh, after that, History of the World, uh, I, I, my dad was watching it in the living room and again in like the 80s and came across it. I'm like, what the hell is this? Um, and then uh, Men in Tights uh, saw that at the theater with, uh, I remember a friend of the family brought my sister and her husband and uh, yeah, we just had a blast with it. Absolutely hilarious. See, for me, um, 
I'm going to go with Leo with that, you know, probably Young Frankenstein because that's the one I, I saw first. Like, that's the one I, I saw with my dad. I was probably five or six the first time I saw that. Um, and some of these, like, I haven't gotten to see. Like, I just saw them recently. And, you know, like History of the World, I had never seen in its entirety. I had seen parts of it, but, like, I had never seen the whole thing. Uh, the producers, I would never seen. You know, silent movie I watched years ago. It's not really my favorite. I liked it because it's a Mel Brooks film. But one of the films that I really liked from Mel Brooks is one that he did not direct, but he produced. It was directed by David Lynch, and we talked about it a little bit last week. But uh, are you guys familiar with the, uh, I think it came out in 1980, 81, uh, The Elephant Man with John Hurt as The Elephant Man. Oh, completely black and white. Yep. It's the the completely black and white movie. It's not a parody. It's not funny. It's it's not even a typical Lynch film. It's more of like a biographical picture where it's, you know, the real story or as close as they could get. Um, And, you know, Mel Brooks, he's like, I don't want my name on it because I don't like on the poster or anything. He was like, I don't want anyone to think that it's a parody. But this is a story that's really important to tell. And even with David Lynch, like, there's no, like, weird, like, dancing backwards talking dwarf or anything. Like, it's all, like, like the the end, the very end is kind of Lynchian. But uh, other than that, it's very, like, straightforward. Andy, you uh, you have a prop you wanted to show off? I take back Spaceballs. I forgot Dracula Dead loving it. Ah, <laughs> That is my all-time favorite of all of them. Just you know, like you know, he, he's always got these cameos, and uh, the whole um, oh, he's in he's in the guy's office, and he says something about it. he goes, "Oh, I didn't know you studied gynecology." He goes, "Yeah, I got a hand in that too." <laughs> yeah, that I have not seen. I have not seen that one. Um, wow, I'm gonna have best to check Dracula it. movie ever. I don't know about <laughs> that, but. I I I really thought you were about to pull out a uh, an Elephant Man DVD, Leo. Uh, I was just gonna say. So I'm looking at Mel Brooks. I, I was trying to find his writing credentials, and I, I was going through acting. Holy crap! I did not realize he was on Electric Company. That I didn't know. I know he was on The Simpsons once, Ooh. playing himself. Seven hundred <laughs> seven hundred and eighty episodes. He was the blonde-haired cartoon man, the voice. I know he used to work like when he first started. Oh, sorry, Jordan. I just talked to you. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. I was just saying he was, he had a cameo in something I saw recently, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, he's working on Get Smart 2. Hmm. Hmm. I know he was yes. in... Uh, he was recently... Uh, not recently, but he was in... Um, he worked with Sid Caesar when he first started, and there was a story that uh, our buddy Brandon told. I forget if it was on the air or off the air. Either way, uh, Mel Brooks was a writer for Sid Caesar, and he had an issue where it was like Caesar's like, "Oh, what do you got? What do you got for me? What do you got? You know, funny man, like you know, let me uh, let me see what what you've written." And he was the only one who didn't smoke, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm just having such a hard time," and. You know, I, I there's all this smoke in this room, and I can't think. And Sid Caesar's like, oh, you need some fresh air. Oh, is that what you need? Oh, and Sid Caesar was a very, like, he was a larger gentleman. And Mel Brooks, as you've seen, you know, 
he was he's very small. He's not he's a diminutive man. I don't want to like not small small, but he's a he's a diminutive man. You know, not very tall, not very imposing. And uh he takes Mel Brooks and hangs him out like the tenth story window in New York. Ah! And he's like how about this? Is the is the air fresh enough for you? Is has your head cleared? Is everything okay? <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, sir. I'm ready to go." <laughs> I would have had a heart attack. <laughs> uh, apparently, he was in a Disney thing where he played Melephant Brooks. Toy Story Four. Yes, he was in Toy oh. Story Four as Melephant Brooks. Uh, let's see the comedians. He's also listed as a producer for The Fly. Hmm, interesting. He ah. might have been a fan of the original. Oh, he was in a very Ma- very merry Muppet Christmas movie. Uh, Mad about you, Screw Loose. Yeah, he played himself in 1995. Silence of the Hams. Actually, we have a friend who was in that with him. He was uncredited, uh, but uh, our buddy. Matteo Molinari of Bad CGI Sharks was in that movie uh, with Mel Brooks. Silence of the Hams. Um, so next question for everybody. Who is your favorite character from a Mel Brooks film? And uh, this time I'm going to go opposite order. And Leo, I'm going to go with you first because you are the uh, senior member of the group here. Oh, geez. I'm the senior member? You're older than me, and I'm older than Andy, and Andy's <laughs> older than Jordan. Jordan, Jordan's yeah. younger than Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, no, no, I'm older than Robin Hood Men in Tights, but only by like a year. Yeah, not not by much. Okay. I, <laughs> I, think I was born in at the same time. All right, so she was born in '91. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even thirty yet. Ah. <laughs> uh, Okay, this is tough. Probably Lone Star. Lone Star is a great character. It, it, it's it's a flip between. I mean, the funny th- it's embedded in my head is uh, also um, Mel Brooks playing Moses. You know, it's like uh, I can't remember exactly uh, the twenty commandments. I bring you these fifteen, yeah, ten commandments. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, pro- probably Lone Star or Moses. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, how about you, Jordan? Um, I think probably Broomhilda from Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, like when she jumps out the window to jump on the horse and the horse is like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> she's like, if I was you, I would not do that ever again. <laughs> and I just, I loved it. How about you, Andy? Uh, I know you haven't seen it, but uh, I'm going to go with Renfield from Dracula Dead and loving it. Just the, you know, he's all uptight and proper. And as Dracula, you know, takes hold of his mind, he starts to degrade into this, this maniac. And he goes from, uh, you know, primp and proper, uh, you know, I need you to sign here, here and here to, to eating bugs. Mm. Um, Well, that's how it is in in the actual book, too. Yeah, he's he really sells the character so good too. It's uh, he's having lunch with the um, the uh, asylum director, and he's you know snatching bugs out of the air and eating them and things. And he's like, "Renfield, you you just ate a bug." 
he's like, no, it was it was a raspberry off the muffin. And he's like, oh, raspberries? We don't do any raspberries. It's just it's gold, absolute gold. Um, and I, you know, I then I think about it. Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks movies are responsible for probably one of my longest running friendships. Um, me and my friend Kyle used to quote the movies all the time, uh, just back and forth. But I think Renfield was probably probably our favorite character. So Renfield is actually, I know it's a movie you watched for the first time, Patrick. Uh, he was Galen and Dragon Slayer as well. Uh, the actor, oh, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. Peter McNichol. Wasn't he also, he was also the, because I remember the commercials. I haven't seen the the movie, but I remember in the trailer, there's a scene where he's like, you know, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, there like, is. I fly, you don't. And he's like, oh, yes, of course. Like, And he's... Um, <laughs> He's the same guy from Ghostbusters 2 that brings the painting to life. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. how I remember oh. him. Okay. I know who you're talking That's about funny. now. Yes. Yeah. yeah he, I, I rem- he, he looks like he could be uh, Richard Simmons' stunt double. <laughs> he, was in, um, he was in Ally McBeal. Yeah. Yeah. IMDb says that's what he's known for, which is. Uh, yeah. He's been in all these. He was in uh, Ally McBeal yeah. for years. Yeah, I, I I do remember the the actor. Like again, I haven't seen it, but I remember the actor. Like that's like one of my weird memory quirks. Like I I haven't seen that trailer in probably since it came out. So what, like twenty five years? But I remember that. Um, for me, my favorite character is it's easy. It's Marty Feldman as Igor in uh, in Young Frankenstein. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, I'm a rather brilliant surgeon. Perhaps I could help you with that hump. What hump? I mean, it's hard to not pick Gene Wilder because I fucking love Gene Wilder. Um, but I would say a close second would be uh, um, Rick Moranis's Dark Helmet, whose real name, fun fact, is Panikin Crybaby. Oh, my God. That is his real name. <laughs> no, wait. I take it back. Take it back. Favorite character. One of the assholes with the crossed eyes. Yeah. Who made that man a gunner? I did. Sorry, my cousin. <laughs> Who the hell is he? Asshole. Major asshole. And his cousin, he's an asshole too, sir. Gunner's mate, first class, Philip Asshole. How many assholes I got in this place? Yo! I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. And this is why you can't watch this on TV. Because I remember watching this as a kid. And, like, we were losing our goddamn minds because they were swearing so much and they were saying the same thing over and over again. But if you watch it on TV, it's like, oh, major airhead. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it just, it takes, it really takes the piss out of it. It sucks the wind right out of the sails. Yeah, you can't, you can't watch best, it. Best dub I've ever heard on TV from movie to TV. They had Bruce Campbell do his own dub on army of darkness and he goes listen buddy you ain't leading but two things right now jack and spit and and jack left town but it was he did his own voiceover and it was just in such a different pitch he probably did it over the phone like you know yeah while making polenta (laughs) sam raimi called him on the phone and said hey (laughs) bruce i need you to i need you to replace a word here yeah what is it it's shit uh spit well for me thank you for me my uh my favorite you know, I know we're getting off on a tangent, but if you've never heard any of my shows, like this, <laughs> this might be a surprise to you. But um, when it comes to, I feel like that's just the norm for all of us here, though. Yeah, 
when it comes to um, you know uh, overdubbing on on TV to kind of like they would change motherfucker to my friend like that you see that all the time. Um, obviously, asshole, asshole to airhead, yeah. And uh, but that that was that's a new one. Like I'm talking the old ones that they did all the time. Oh, like there's a Die Hard three where he refers to uh, Sam Jackson refers to uh, Bruce Willis as a racist melon farmer. Um, but the best one. The best one of all time, and I will I will go to my grave with this opinion, is Die Hard Two. At the very end, when he lights the pl- lights the trail of gas, and he goes Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. Instead, it's Yippee Kaye, Mister Falcon, and it's like totally <laughs> different. It's like not even Bruce Willis. Like, yeah, the That's... guy's name technically his like call sign was Falcon, but like. Come on! Just, like, some random dude off the street, and we're like, "Here, say these two words right here." Thanks. But or, at least it wasn't like, you know, the the, you know, my friend that they used all the time in uh, Lethal Weapon Three was the one that they used that with when uh, when uh, Danny Glover's chasing down all the all the leads for the the guys that put the guns on the street, and he's like, "I'll blow your head off, my friend." <laughs> it's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that totally that totally one ups the pineapple from Scarface. Where'd yeah. you get a scar like that, tough guy? Eating pineapple. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I was as a kid, I didn't, I hadn't seen Scarface yet. I just walked by and that was on, and I thought, man, he was really going at that pineapple, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> Leo, what we, are you we say? definitely come a long way because Sam Jackson, you can now have him tell jokes through your Alexa device. Yeah, for a dollar, you have to pay. Yeah. Him. Like, I, mean, uh, I don't know if we'll get nabbed for this or you might have to cut it. Alexa, ask Sam to tell a joke. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because I was chasing that motherfucker. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I do that. I have that on, on mine. But mine mine lives in the bathroom. Um, oh, my God. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, worth it yeah next next question is um, the first time you saw a Mel Brooks movie and Jordan you touched on this a little bit so I'm going to go to you first uh, the first time you saw a Mel Brooks movie how old were you what was the, cir- the again I'm combining words circumstances and situation what was the circumstations uh, what was what was going on at the time um all right, so I lived down the street from uh, this girl that I was friends with, um, and her and I were best friends from probably, like, I don't know, first grade up until, like, junior year of high school. So we spent a lot of time together since we were at, like, the same bus stop. Um, so I spent a lot of weekends at her house, and I was probably around, like, 13 or so, um, definitely not high school yet. Uh, but I, I wasn't a little kid either. Um, and she, she liked seventies, eighties movies. And usually we were at her house. So we watched a lot of seventies and eighties stuff, but some early nineties as well. And that was just one of the movies that she, she picked out one weekend and we watched it. She hadn't watched it before either. 
and we were hysterical laughing at it. And um, she's also Jewish, so some of the stuff <laughs> necessarily, some of the stuff that I didn't necessarily understand at you know thirteen years old. She understood because of her religious background, and she was able to explain it to me, and I was able to find it funny. So between the two of us, we were able to understand this entire movie at that point, and it was it was just great. Um, it was the first movie we had seen like that that was so... I don't know if raunchy is the right word, but... Yeah, blue... Um, and it was, you know, it was a real eye opener to, you know, what was out there for us. Yeah, I, I would call it, I would say he went a little blue. I wouldn't go raunchy because it's not like, you know, Seth Rogen and, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jonah Hill, like those types of like really raunchy, yeah, like dirty type thing. Yeah. But they're definitely, they're definitely not for... It was definitely a different category than the stuff we had been watching up until this point. I, I think it was risque. Um, I think some of the Seth Rogen stuff just gets absolutely filthy. Um, right. Like, I would refer to that as raunchy. So, Andy, how about you? First yeah. time first time you saw a Mel Brooks film, what was it? And where were you? How old were you? All that. I, My father had a very twisted sense of humor and... The things that they chose to shelter me on really to this day still blow my mind. And the stuff I got to get away with, like, you know, it's like no nudity, but but you could swear like a sailor, you know, it's like, no. You know, I remember uh, anytime boobs were on TV, it was like, you know, just cover your eyes, look away. And it's like, well, that's the stuff you want to see. Come on. You know, I can hear I can hear a sailor talk all day around the house like this isn't nothing new. I want to see what's going on here. But uh, I, I think it was Spaceballs was the one I got to watch first, and then Dracula Dead and Loving It. And uh, I remember, oh, I remember the soap, uh, the the abort, abort, uh, abort self destruct button. And he's like, "Fuck!" Even in the future, nothing works. And I remember it was the microwave or a light bulb or something that blew out, and I went, "Fuck!" Nothing in this house fucking works. And it was like, you know, up oh, here, here comes the soap. Like you can hear it, but don't repeat it. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, Spaceballs was definitely the first one because it was like I was watching. My older cousin was watching Star Wars, and you know how you know you want to you want to mimic what you see. And my mom worked at a video store, so we'd always get to pick out a movie, you know, at the end of the night, and you know, take it home and bring it back the next day. And uh, I think I accidentally grabbed Spaceballs instead of Star Wars. Um, because I was just associating, you know, the helmet or whatever was on there. And Very you know, my dad's like, my dad's like, you know, this isn't Star Wars, right? What was that, Jordan? I said the case looks similar to what the older cases look like. So yeah. I could totally see the mistake. Very similar artwork. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. or, or, you know, it's, this, this is, you know, 20 some year old memories here. Uh, probably more than that. I was probably eight or nine. Uh, when I got to watch that and he might've picked it up and was like, you know, Hey, like, you know, you're going to love this kid. You know, you like star Wars, check this out. You know, you sit down and watch it together and just, you know, uh, laughed hysterically. But, uh, 
yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a little taken aback by some of the jokes in Men in Tights. I don't think Spaceballs was nearly. I think that was more innuendo. Is you know, it's like, oh, they're Spaceballs. <laughs> yeah, the the maid's gone from suck to blow. Like you know, he didn't catch that as a kid. Now looking back and rewatching it as an adult, and uh, uh, the the whole I, the Pizza the Hut thing went right over my head when uh, he got trapped in the limo. And apparently ate himself to death. I, it didn't dawn on me till later that Vinny the robot was eating him uh, on mm-hmm. camera, and then uh, you know it was like, oh, okay, he locked him in and went back and ate ate piece of the hut. I gotcha. Leo, what about you? Um, I I think the first one I saw was Young Frankenstein. Uh, I think it must have been around. It was around the time Ghost, Ghostbusters came out. 84. Uh, yeah, so uh, I would be 10, so do the math. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I remember seeing it at the drive-in. I know what screen it was on. Um, I can't remember. I think it was playing with the Red Sonja. Which I haven't I seen, think, but we'll watch. I think Red... What's that? I said, which I haven't seen, but we'll watch. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Red Sonia had to play afterwards because mm-hmm. it was a little, little risque. Yeah. For me, it was definitely uh, Young Frankenstein was the first one I saw. Yeah. Um, my dad would watch it. It was on TV. I think it was uh, the movie loft with Dana Hershey, if you are familiar in this area. Um, we watched, you know, it, I came in in the middle of it and. See, it was, it was funny and goofy, and yeah, there were some, you know, there were definitely some, uh, some innuendos that I did not get. Like, oh, would you like to have a roll in the hay? And then she literally was rolling back and forth in the hay, like roll, roll, roll in the hay. Um, you know, there's a few things. Elevate me here now. Yes, raise the platform. Oh, the platform. Yeah, it's like, like. I I don't know what he's talking about. Like whatever. Like it's just like the monster was kind of goofy. Like I guess like my dad didn't want to be scared. He's like, look at him. He doesn't have bolts. Look, there's a zipper on his neck. And I was like, what? Oh, the putting on the Ritz. Oh, putting on the Ritz was glorious. Like that was probably my favorite part as a kid because he's like dancing around. And there is a reference to that scene in Robin Hood Men in Tights when he. He's doing what he's supposed to do, and he, like, pretends to give him the treat. And, you know, Carrie always gives Will Scarlet the little treat after he knocks down the uh, the straw dummy, with the, which I thought was amazing. It was like, oh, it's like 15th century England. Hey, look it. They have cans of fruit cocktail. <laughs> now, we what about uh, – uh, sorry, uh, this also brings up another mem- memory. You mentioned Marty Feldman earlier. Uh, when he's going for the brain, uh, when he said, uh, uh, what brain? It was uh, Abby something, yeah, Abby like, Normal. Is, uh, Abby Normal. He goes, did you, uh, he goes, um, the whole scene, he's like, is this Hans Delbruck's brain? He's like, no. He goes, ah, okay. So which brain did you get? You promise you won't be angry? I promise I will not be angry. Abby someone. Oh, that's glorious, Andy. Abby, it was, someone. It was filled with uh, yellow water to look like formaldehyde, but uh, when we moved, I had to drain it. You can refill it. 
Uh, yeah, Andy just showed off his brain in a jar. Like, that's definitely something that we'll have to get. It's, I love how it's like brain depository. And then, like, he goes in and he's like, you know, abnormal brain, do not use. It's like, what would you be using it for? Like, is this, like, there's a whole store dedicated to brains on display? Uh, uh, that's definitely a hell of a prop. Abby someone? Abby who? Abby normal. You mean to tell me I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot tall, 54 inch wide gorilla? Oh, that was so great. <laughs> I'm just amazed that you can remember all this. It's, it's, it's insane. Well, I was watching a, uh, and this is again kind of a tangent, but this kind of reminds me. It's, it's, I'm watching the one of the Patton Oswalt specials on Netflix. I think it was uh, Talking for Clapping. And he's sitting there, and he's in front of the crowd, and he just starts singing this random Ford jingle or Dodge or, like, some car dealership. And then he sings another one that's, like, even more complicated. He goes, those were radio jingles for car dealerships that I heard on the radio when I was a kid, and I remember them exactly. That is word for word. That is 100% how they went. He goes, but I had to take infant, C he goes, I've taken the infant CPR course twice, and I still don't remember if I'm supposed to push on her chest or breathe into her mouth first. <laughs> He's like, I will take, he goes, I will trade all of the, 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 the Dodge dealership jingles to know how I'm supposed to save my daughter's life. He goes, I'm going to be hunched over her, not knowing what I'm supposed to do. She's not going to be breathing, and I'm just going to be sitting there. It's like, I've th seen things you wouldn't believe. A tech ship's on fire off the shoulder of Orion, and you're gone. He's like, I can, I can re recite the entire Rutger Hauer speech from the end of Blade Runner, you know, which is, I guess, something kind of cool to hear right before you die. But, you know, I don't know how to do <laughs> CPR. He's like, I will give up all of my Spider-Man knowledge for one karate move. <laughs> but like that's what it is it's like i screwed up my name earlier but i know the 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 abby normal like lines from <laughs> from young frankenstein oh. yeah i i could i could relate to that me and kyle had spanish together and to this day we do not speak a lick of spanish um but you know we, we would sit there and be able to quote these you know, these movies and, you know, it wasn't just Mel Brooks movies, but yeah, it was, and that really helped forge the friendship. My it's amazing how cinema can bring everyone together. Yeah. My senior year, I answered my entire Spanish midterm in French, not realizing that I did that. All the words were right. Um, Italian. <laughs> it's like, I answered that in Italian. <laughs> But, like, I had never, I, I hadn't taken French in three years. I'm like, I didn't realize I still knew that much French. And she's like, well, you got I'm you questions, what, right? I th I think that me and Kyle might have, like, been reincarnated as Mel Brooks' characters. Like, we, it was Spanish class, and we had to record a conversation in Spanish. So, of course, it was, you know, just the most ignorant, repugnant, you know, just, everything was L and O and, and taco, burrito, mm. uh Ancelotta, we had to create a product, and we actually called it El Asso Wipo, uh, the number one product for your number two business. Um, and we had to record over the cassette blank. So we're sitting here, and I don't know why she didn't just let us talk in English. Well, I don't know why we had to blank the tape out. So we're, we're trying to blank the tapes out, and she's like, nobody talk, nobody make any noise, nobody do anything. And we're just sitting there, 
and just for no apparent reason, I just started laughing and I got kicked out of class. She goes, Ivan out now. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know, and I didn't mean to. And I slammed the door real hard behind me. So of course, a second later, here comes Kyle. He's like, Hey, wait up. I'm like, you got kicked out there. He goes, yeah, you slammed the door. And I started laughing. <laughs> I mean, that'll do it. So I wish that was the kind of stuff I had to do for uh, Spanish. I had to write about plastic surgery. Like, really? That sounds exciting. Plastic surgery. I had to write an entire uh, speech about why someone should or should not get plastic surgery. Yeah, that sounds a little more advanced. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was my fifth year of Spanish, and I was one of two kids well, in school in, in higher-level Spanish. Uh, the only thing higher than that was, like, the ESOL classes. So... <laughs> Yeah, but no, we were yeah. we 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 were a step above. Uh, I wish I wish I got to write about ass wipo. <laughs> we were a step above Mugsy, or Mugsy, whatever the, the little yellow book with the green monster on the front. Oh, mm. they do fromage. Oh, yes, that's Muzzy. yes, that's French they're speaking. And no, these children are not French. <laughs> Muzzy. Yeah, that's what it was. It's a new learning Muzzy. product from Muzzy. I don't know what oh that yeah, when you said that when you said the little green monster, I knew what you were talking about. Yeah, and I don't know what he actually said. That's only French I know. Omelet du fromage. Thanks, Dexter. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I am unfamiliar with what you guys are talking about here. But uh There was okay, it was like Rosetta Stone, except for it was for little kids. Gotcha. It was for poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> Not if it wasn't free. Um it was it was like it was like 1995, and it was a cartoon, and it was this like green monster who taught you whatever language you bought, and they had it in like Spanish, French, German. Uh, I Japanese think it was German. Something else. I think the yeah. commercial was was they were really plugging the German one. Um, the thing I don't remember being that angry. I think I, who was who was buying the German one. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I really want to speak in another language and just sound totally angry all the time. German will do it. <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd wager they sold at least nine. <laughs> Very nice. So we've gotten those questions out of the way. We have a little bit of a background for each of us on, you know, what we think. And, you know, apparently we're all very big fans. And this is, you know, not our first introduction with the exception of jordan because you are you know like 14 so other than that um you know sorry <laughs> we uh you know leo and i we're we're closer in age i think leo um andy i always forget how old you are i don't know if i know i'm well preserved i am a very well preserved 33 oh 30 yeah all right so yeah <laughs> 33 i remember when i turned 33 it was a while ago, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we have we have we each have an established base of you know Mel Brooks films, and for me, it was part of growing up. And you know, I watched all these movies all the time. You know, had the VHS and the and the uh, DVDs eventually, but we watched these movies all the time. Spaceballs was just 
you know, it was it was a way that I bonded with my dad watching watching these films, and I think that's true for like a lot of people, especially people my age that grew up with like Blazing Saddles and and you know the producers and a history of the world. So everybody had like this, like it, not everybody, but most people's parents had like a basis for it. And the thing that I like about Mel Brooks films is that he he puts a lot of time and effort into the comedy. And it's not just, you know, <clears throat> you know, fart jokes nonstop. Like there, yeah, there are a couple of fart, especially that one scene in uh, in Blazing Saddles. But a lot yeah, of it is scenes, like Mr. Taggart. Yeah, a lot of it is sophisticated, like higher end humor. Like you know, when they first beat Rabbi Tuckman, who is supposed to be Friar Tuck, like. That's clever. Like yeah. that's really clever. You know, when <laughs> when they're like, Oh, how you doing? And he like tips his hat to him and his his uh his hair is attached to the hat. Like Well, and they also had um the Abbot. The Abbot he played Friar Tuckman in the first uh Mel Brooks Robin Hood movie. So Abbot! <laughs> I hate that guy. Dick Van uh, Patten, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They made him the Abbot as like a reference to him being Friar Tuck in the first version. Yeah, he, uh, that's, um, if you know who, uh, Dick Van Patten is, that's, uh, King Roland from Spaceballs. Doesn't need to dad mm-hmm. eight is enough. Yep. Dick Van Patten. <laughs> yep. Now that you say that, yeah, he was, he was the Drew, Drew, Drew King of, King of Druidia. Druish. Yeah, yeah funny. Goes, it's funny. She, she doesn't, doesn't look, look Druish, but, but the king had the king had those same yeah uh, the, orthodox curls. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's oh, it's it's so good. Yeah, um, I like wow, the fact that, that he one, uses that one snuck by, and even like that scene when it's like, "Hey, Abbott," that's Abbott and Costello. Like yeah. that's yeah. how Lou Costello used to talk to. Uh, uh, oh God, I can't think of his. I was going to say Jim Abbott, but Jim Abbott was the pitcher that only had one hand. Uh, Bud Abbott, Bud Abbott, and Lou Costello. Got it, uh-huh. got it. But yeah, like that's, and I mean, that's not a reference that you know kids are gonna get. I mean, I did because my mom loved Abbott and Costello stuff, so I watched all the Abbott and Costello meet, you know, Frankenstein, the Mummy, Abbott and Costello go straight to video, like all those. I watched all of them. But mm-hmm. when you when you start off this film and it's like. It's clearly the parody of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It's like, you know, it, and it, yeah. they make it abundantly clear at the very beginning. It's like, every time they make a Robin Hood movie, they burn our village down. And like, one of the big things that Mel Brooks does is he is, he shatters the fourth wall all the time. And I think this movie might do it more than any other movie. Like I know in Spaceballs, it's even had the camera come in through uh, Marion's bathroom window. Oh yeah, yeah. And the scene and, with and the habits, uh, Kane hit yep. the, the, <laughs> the camera. camera. <laughs> but I mean, how many times do people turn to the camera? Like, you know, you know, Will Scarlet when he throws the uh, or Will Scarlet O'Hara when he throws the daggers at the yeah. guy during the big uh, uh, the big fight scene in the uh, in the king's courtroom there. 
and he turns to the camera. He goes, "Am I good? I'm good." Like Robin turns to the camera. Like even the the opening, where it's like they shoot the arrow, and it's like written and directed by Mel Brooks, and everyone's like, "Leave us alone, Mel Brooks!" Like yeah. <laughs> it's. I like the uh, the migrating mole. Like- oh, on Richard Lewis. Oh, yeah. yeah, sir, wasn't your mole on the other side? I have a mole. <laughs> My or even like. Uh, when Robin Hood's doing the um, the arrow shooting contest, and he pulls out a script. Oh yeah, and they're they all they're all sitting on their script. Yeah, they all pull out the script, and they're like, "I lost what? Don't what I get another shot?" Do? Yes, yes, he does. He does. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite one though is when he uh, looks at a camera, Robin Hood, and he says, uh, "Unlike other Robin Hoods, I speak in an English accent." You know what's funny? Yeah. I have. To uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. Now, that's not the only reference. Uh, that's just the only one that we get to see in, in English. So in uh, I, I happen yeah. to have this uh, pulled up on IMDb because I found it interesting. Uh, it says, The gag about Robin being able to speak with an English accent is a reference to Kevin Costner's performance in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Viewers who saw both movies in a dubbed version couldn't get this gag. So, like, if you if you saw both of them in German or both of them in French or both of them in Spanish, you wouldn't get it because it was a different actor. Uh, However, for yeah, the... but even even other versions of the move, like of Robin Hood, different movies. Um, I mean, they use people with like Australian accents or from like New Zealand. Yeah, well, that like that you know now they do with an English accent. Well, the funny thing. Because like there were even in the, the the alternate versions of this movie, even when it was in another in another language, they still made reference to Costner over and over again. So for the German version dubbed uh, for the uh, it says uh, because I, unlike some other Robin Hoods, do not cost the producers five million dollars or five million. They wouldn't say dollars. The German word Kostin was also pronounced to sound a little bit like Costner. In the French and Italian dubbed versions, it translates as, because unlike other Robin Hoods, I do not dance with the wolves, uh, which is obviously Dances with Wolves from 1990. In Quebec, the translation became, because unlike other Robin Hoods, I accept to wear tights, which refers to the fact that Costner didn't wear tights. In the Hungarian version, he says, because unlike Kevin Costner... <laughs> because unlike Kevin Costner, I have a shapely bottom. A reference to the infamous scene that Costner used a bo- infamous fact that Costner used a body double in a nude scene. So, like, even in other languages, they were still ripping on Kevin Costner <laughs> and his performance in the other movie. They were just like raking him over the coals. Yeah, but like. That's the brilliance of Mel Brooks writing. It's like you could have easily just left that in there. And so many times when something gets translated into another language, they don't take into account, you know, the the uh, the, the differences. Yeah. The, the idioms or like just the, the specific things that somebody says, you know, like because even in this country, like if I'm going to go. Uh, I have a, a, a Mountain Dew. I refer to that as a soda. Someone else might refer to it as a pop. Other places, it's just every soda is Coke. So or fizzy mm-hmm. fizzy drink. So like you know to pay oh, attention. Yeah, 
so to pay attention to the 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 conventions that are you know for the sake of this particular joke you know to pay attention to the different conventions of other countries is a brilliant attention to detail and you know this is something i just learned doing research for the show and i find that to be absolutely phenomenal so when we get to first meet robin he's you know being thrown into into Khalil prison and he uh <laughs> everything with about this what was that with a sneeze yes with a sneeze but like everything about that like leading up to like him just just the scene of him getting introduced like you know you see all the hands reaching through the the grate and like you know the prison guards like whipping all the hands and then, like they come back up and they're all flipping them off and it's like ah <laughs> like that's a great gag um some of the guys don't even to dress appropriately to go into the prison yeah, oh, yeah they, they, they give him the beard <laughs> they give him the fake beard <laughs> with the ear hooks because it's like uh because uh, he he's like oh i'm the mater de dun john like Duck. Oh, I always forget about that. But then he whacks his head on his way out with a yeah. big point on the top. So, do you guys have a favorite joke or favorite line or favorite moment from this film? So, I'll go, uh, Leo, start with you. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> favorite line. Um... Just like, just a favorite line, favorite joke, favorite scenes. Like, is there something that, like, this is what I remember most the first time I saw this. Well, definitely the mole moving around. And, and you know, later on, I have a mole. <laughs> These aren't my bubbles. They're from the pipes. <laughs> uh, I'd have to say that. And uh, definitely Tracy Ellman's performance was. Oh, she, when he gets catapulted through the roof and yeah. lands. That was completely improvised. That was just them riffing back and forth. Like, that wasn't scripted. That was just like, go for it, see what happens. You could tell, too, because that was so magical. I came this close. I touched it. <laughs> I have a headache. I have a headache. I have a headache. Um, and that guy was on Cheers a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Played Robin uh, on it, Cheers. I think that was. How do you uh, feel? Very good, but very, very sad. Surprisingly good, but. Unbelievably depressed. <laughs> he was uh, what is it? Uh, Diane's boyfriend. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Kirstie Alley. Kirstie or Kirstie Alley. Yeah. Wait. Um, I forget her. Yeah, Rebecca. Uh, Jordan, how about you? Since you got to see it uh, as a, um, as a teenager. I, I mean, there are a bunch of fantastic lines that are all going through my head. Um, but I think I'm going to pick, uh, at, towards the end when they're all fighting and trying to save Robin from being hung and all of that. And the arrows flying towards, I think it's a chew and Bless you. Uh, Lincoln grabs <laughs> yes. it was towards um, Robin. They were trying to take Robin arrow out. out of the, uh, I'm sorry, what? It was, uh, it was, they were trying to take Robin out before he took his final shot. Um, and Blinken grabs the arrow out of the, just snatches it out of the air. He's like, wow, how'd you do that? And he's like, I heard that coming from a mile away. He's like, oh, wow, thanks so much. And he's like, pardon? Who's talking? 
Who is that? What? I will say, with that particular thing, they didn't have to add that. Like, pardon who's talking? Because the entire time, like, anytime someone talks to him, like, hey, Blinken, did you just say Abe Lincoln? It's like, I didn't yeah. say Abe Lincoln. I said, hey, Blinken. He's standing right next to him. Like, or uh, he's like, this is, this is at you. A Jew here? It's like, no, not a Jew at you. <laughs> like, so they had already planted that seed over and over. Like, even in uh, some of the scenes where they're, like, the horse is riding by, like, the guys are doing, like, the uh, the jousting attempt. And you watch all of the guys watch as the horse is riding by. Blinken's looking in the opposite direction. Like, they're all slowly turning left, and he's turning right. Like, they do that over and over again. Like, there's a part where Blinken's holding on to the horse. He's, like, kind of off. In the, oh, with the uh, the Little John scene with the with the staffs when they're fighting over the, uh, the, the bridge. Blinken's like... My name's Little John, but don't let the name fool you. I'm, I'm actually, actually very big. big. In real life, I'm very big. Blinken's over in the distance, and they're like, oh, this is a chew, and that over there is Blinken. And Blinken's, like, staring off in, like, the complete wrong direction, even though they're, like, calling to him. And he stares off the wrong direction yeah. and waves, like, off camera. It's like, so, like, they set that up. But, yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt on that, but, like, that was just something I noticed. That was, that was, that was it. That was, that was one of my... My favorites, I think. Um, that and also uh, Richard Lewis when uh, Robin comes into the castle and all of the knights start lining up and he's like, I hope this is worth all the noise. <laughs> yeah. and those, those were probably some of my favorite lines in the whole thing. Um, so I think it's Andy now. Yep. I uh, I like the part where he, they're fighting or something. And he finds the statue and he's like feeling it up. And he goes, Master Robin, you've lost your arms, but you've grown an amazing set of breasts. That was uh, right after it's the beginning when they towed the castle away and like yeah, they repaired the whole the whole castle. Blinken sitting on the in, in the on the toilet and <laughs> there's uh, and he's got like the three D. Yeah, they've taken the castle. I thought it felt a bit drafty. Oh yeah, because you have that, that whole and, uh, that whole series when Robin finds out about his family. Oh, this never would have happened if your father was alive. He's dead. He died. Well, oh, while you were away. What about my mother? Died of pneumonia. My brothers taken by the plague. My dog Pongo run over by a carriage. My goldfish Goldie eaten by the cat. My cat choked on the goldfish. Oh, it's good to be home, isn't it, Master Robin? <laughs> Uh, oh, and the the Playboy he's reading uh, as like, they tow it away and is embossed. Yeah, and he's like cupping the boobs. Yeah, <laughs> Blinken, be right out. Oh, Master Robin, you've lost your arms in battle. Oh, oh you grew some nice boobs though. <laughs> that and the uh, when when he asked her about her name, he goes, "Yeah, it's Latrine. Interesting name." I changed it. What was it before? Shit house. Good change. Good change. It's an interesting name, Latrine. How did your family come by it? We changed it in the ninth century. You mean you changed it to Latrine? Yeah. Used to be shit house. It's a good change. 
Are you certain? You aren't certain. Hire yourself a witch. I'm just your cook. Here, eat this. Oh, lovely. It's like a Seder at Vincent Price's house. Um, for me, like, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of lines. But I I as a kid I remember being really happy and laughing the hardest, I think, when uh every time the sheriff screwed up like the order of his words. Oh, yeah. Over yeah, that boy hand. That King's Forest 4 is... Kill in it, ah, uh, is... Is it also not illegal to usurp the throne? And Oh, yeah, it, it's... There are... You've gone too far, Robin. I've only just begun. Like, I, I think one of the things that might be my favorite scene, because it's also a, a very visual gag, is... People of Sherwood Forest, lend me your ears. And they literally tear their ears off. That's disgusting. And he starts like rambling on and like turns into Churchill and everybody falls asleep. Oh, and then a shoe turns into Malcolm X like right after. Yeah. Oh, like it's that's Dave Chappelle's theatrical debut. Like he had never been in a movie before. And I think Mel did a great job of uh, picking him. Sorry, bad guys, but I am running out of air. Got to get pumped. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the thing with Mel Brooks' films is, like, it's the little things that, like, you know, it's if he doesn't call attention to them, like, would you have noticed that the mole moved? Yeah, probably, because, like, it's on one side, then it's on the other side, then at the end it's, like, right in the middle of his forehead. But, like... It was a rather large mole. (laughs) Yeah. The exit sign in the throne room, like, above the door. Like, that's amazing. Like, the... The uh, the cardboard cutout that when she kisses it, it it starts frowning. Yeah. (laughs) The, uh... When he's looking at all the guys that are coming after him in the throne room, and he's like, ha-ha, and he cuts the rope, and the chandelier falls on him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's brilliant. Like, that's so good. Like, because how many times he's like, aha, I will cut this, and it'll land on the bad guys, and I am triumphant. Um, or when the fight breaks out, and the four women run into the, the like, closet area and the other guy's in there and he's kind of looking around and he notices, like, all the low-cut shirts and starts just, like, checking yeah. out all the boobs. But every time you, you, that shot is, uh, it starts off before the guy's there and then, you know, that's the only focus is, is the uh, the cleavage there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's... The fact that he's able to get people, like... He always casts his movies perfectly. Like, that's the thing with with Mel Brooks. Now, I don't know. um, You guys probably didn't listen to last week's show because, uh, as I was telling Leo about the numbers for those, like, I think I can... There are fewer people who listen to that show than I have fingers on my left hand. But one of the things we discussed... So it's like everybody's missing out because this was some gold from last week. Um, what was the topic last week? Uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh, okay. Um, we had, uh, I, I had a few people on, and one of the things I found out is, so Blazing Saddles was a script that Richard Pryor had, you know, kind of put together about a black sheriff, and it never really kind of went anywhere, but Mel Brooks got a hold of it, and he, 
you know, tweaked it to make it this story. And it was going to be like, he was going to be in it. Uh, Richard Pryor was, but he was notoriously unreliable due to his drug habit. So he's like, I'll give you a writing credit. You know, I'll have you do this. I'll have you consult, but we have to cast somebody else. And that's how Cleveland little got in. But prior to Gene Wilder being in it and Wilder obviously had worked with him in, uh, the producers a few years earlier, the guy who was going to play the Waco kid opposite Cleavon Little was going to be John Wayne. So it could have been John Wayne and Richard Pryor. Wow. <laughs> like, that would have been insane. Um, I could even see, because they did a ton of movies together, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. But yeah, even, what was that one? Hear No Evil, See No Evil? That was the last one they did, but there's Silver Streak. Oh Silver Streak is amazing. Um, Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman? <laughs> <laughs> what was the, the one where they were in prison? That might have been Silver Streak. I can't think of the name of it now, but there was one where they like they were in jail and stuff and... Yeah, like the two of them together were just amazing, but Richard Pryor got uh, increasingly unreliable because of all his drug habits. So they were like, well, we'll have you on as a writer and this and that. But the other thing that you will see in um, a lot of Mel Brooks films is a lot of racial and ethnic stereotyping. Like there's a scene at the very beginning when he's in he's in Africa, I forget exactly where they are. I want to say Marrakesh for some reason. And I just watched it a few hours ago. But where the prison is. And you see these camels going by. And, you know, they have jockeys on them. It's like, oh, those are camel jockeys. Which is a derogatory term for, you know, uh, Arabic folks. And, like, that's... But there's also, like, so much that he throws in there about being Jewish, like in Spaceballs, he goes, oh, you know, I have money and power and you know it, and Jewish princesses are attracted to both. Like, you know, he he makes yeah. a lot well, of well, Jewish jokes. That, I'm going to give her back her old yeah. nose. What was that, Jordan? Uh, referencing the Jewish American princess. Yeah. They call her. They call her Jewish. Well, in there's a there is a term, and I've only ever heard it used by Jewish people. Um, but it's basically a uh, stuck-up girl that is Jewish, and she is referred to as a Jewish American princess. And they they call um, they call her uh, a Jewish princess all the time, and that's that's all I could ever think of every time I heard it. Yeah, Vespa. Yeah, Daphne Zuniga. But yeah, like there's so many, there's so much to this film that like it tells a good story. Go ahead. The the sentimental wine, and he's a moil. Yeah. So I mean, you've got all of that in there, also. Yeah, it's like there's trees, there's rocks, there's birds, there's squirrels. Come on, we'll bless them all until we get for schnicket. Like, even the first yeah. thing that he says when he sees them, he's like, Fagalis? No, no, we're, we're straight. Yeah. Just merry. 
Yes. Well, like when uh, Robin comes in and drops the uh, wild pig in front of Richard Lewis, he says trafe, which I had no idea what it meant, so I had to look it up. And it's a term for non-kosher food, which oh. I, I did not know. Like I didn't, I had no idea exactly what he was saying. I just remember the part of that's a wild boar. No, that's a wild pig. That's a wild boar. Yeah. <laughs> Point, pointing at the king. Well, Prince John. Prince John. Patrick Stewart is the king. Like yeah. I love that. That my, my apologies. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love that scene at the end, you know, and again, he's refer- he references his own movies all the time. Like Robert Ridgely as the hangman was also the hangman in Blazing Saddles. So he gets to, you know, reprise his role. Uh, you know, no noose is good news. Um, well, also another reference. Uh, so I got this from IMDb, the fireman from... Uh, the movie played, I believe, uh, Prince John in Star Trek Next Generation when Patrick Stewart was Robin Hood. Oh, that's that's a deep cut. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at it like, you know, you know when, he, when uh, he's like, I've not yet kissed the bride. And it's like, it's good to be the king, which is history of the world. Yeah. Because he said that all the time because he played the king and he would say that all the time. Uh, there's a lot of he kind of toned down the amount of like womanizing that happens in his films, you know, especially like with this one, because Spaceballs came out in 87. And, you know, and they had the whole thing with uh, Gretchen and the doctor, you know, and then they had like the Doublemint twins and stuff like that. So like, <clears throat> there was a lot of that with his movies uh, a little bit in uh, Young Frankenstein. But this movie really doesn't have much other, you know, other than like the well, end this one scene. Kinda, this one kind of went the opposite direction. I mean, you had like Broomhilda who like attacked little John mm-hmm. uh, when you met him. And you had uh, Maid Marian who was all kinds of frustrated about uh, her chastity belt. Is there I anything mean, I can so do for kinda, you? took a left instead. Yeah. Is there anything I can do for you? Yeah, you can get off me. <laughs> <laughs> I panicked. Uh, in rewatching it, there was also a couple things that didn't really age too well, such as the, uh, the Arsenio Hall whoop. Oh uh, yeah, from uh, his, the Arsenio Hall show. Yeah, and the Chiefs chop. Is it the Chiefs? The, the tomahawk it? chop. The Chiefs use it. The Redskins use it. The Braves use it. It's still there. Like if you watch the Super Bowl, you saw it. Like they still use it. Um. It's not as PC. Well, there's that, but like it's not as used. Like the the Cleveland Indians also use it. Um, it's just one of those one of those things that like it's ingrained in sports. I will say though, the following year, uh, Amy Yazbek, who played Marion, was also in The Mask with Jim Carrey. Yes. He had been in. Uh, Pretty woman, problem child. So she she you know made her way the way around. One thing I did like is uh, you got to see 
the lady who played Broomhilda in a few other movies. Uh, she was in a league of their own. Uh, she played Marla. Yes. I was going to call her Myra for some reason. I don't know. But yeah, she was in that. Um, oh. uh, Wings also. That's where I knew her. From. Not Broomhilda, but uh, Marion. Uh, that's where I knew her from. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, I never really watched Wings. I mean, oh, I was that's... aware of it, but like... I remember the hair. You were also <laughs> you're also slightly older than I am, Leo. At that time, I was watching The Simpsons and... and... You know, I, I mean, I remember seeing Wings on, like, Nick at Night, uh, sometimes at night when I would be going to sleep, but I never really watched it. Oh, my God. She watched some Nick at Night. I remember watching <laughs> the posters, <laughs> like, okay. religiously. Um, so there were, there were some jokes that, you know, obviously went over our heads as kids. Like, one of the, one of the jokes that, you know, I kind of got when my mom explained it to me. Because my that's what my mom, you know, that's how she wanted us to see things. Uh, the scene where he's singing "The Night Is Young" and "You're So Beautiful," and he's behind the the uh, the sheet there, and the yeah. sword comes up, and like everyone's you know like laughing and clapping and everything. She's like, "They think it's his penis." And it's like, yeah, I, I kind of got that because I was like 13 when I watched it, 12, 13. So I was like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, it's weird hearing my mom say that. I don't know if I want to watch the rest of this. But um, The one that my mom had to explain to me was the uh, the Patriot arrow. When you shoot uh, the arrow and it's the... the um, basically heat-seeking arrow, and I didn't understand. I I was like, I don't get the reference, and my mom had to sit down and like, okay, it's based on the Patriot Missile, and here's, and I was like, oh. Yeah, from okay. Operation so Desert Storm. Yeah. yeah. We were using those to shoot down uh, the Iraqi Scud missiles. That's what they were called. Mm -hmm. Scud. It's just like, that's a terrible name. I don't know if that's what they named them or that's what we named them, but either way, that's a terrible name. Yeah, yeah, is... Not the disposable assassin, though. No. <laughs> uh, I did like Dom DeLuise, who like stays completely in character, except for like one line where he reverts back to his normal Dom DeLuise-like voice. He's like, Don Giovanni, yeah, that's me, oh. what's up? Like. <laughs> And he has the he has the cotton balls in his mouth. Oh God, that scene! I can take these cotton balls out of my mouth and place them in my pocket. I will take these cotton balls from you with my hand and put them in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we thank you for inviting us today on the day of your daughter's wedding. I hope her first child is a masculine child. He's like, we haven't even had our meeting yet. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like that, like I didn't get that because I hadn't seen The Godfather yet. Like I just thought it was funny, like how he was acting. Like when he just like takes the the handful of walnuts and cracks them in his hand, and the other time he takes the handful and whips it at the guy next to him. <laughs> you know, Dirty Ezio. I understood that that was supposed to be Clint Eastwood. And doesn't he have like a lizard instead of a cat or something? Charlie, yeah. your lizard like, seems is limp. He dead? Your lizard seems limp. At my age, oh, you mean Charlie? Oh, yeah, no, Charlie, he's just sleeping. And Charlie shits on his hand. 
which was like the second poop joke of the of the movie. That happy little woo bird left a happy little doo doo on your hand. I love, you know, and and Jordan, you brought this up earlier, like some of the fourth wall breaks what, that involve the cameras and the crew. Like we get to see the yeah. essentially the exact same joke from Spaceballs in this one, but instead of somebody getting killed, like he impales the the bagel on his sword when they're having the big climactic scene in the tower at the end. <laughs> like speaking of uh bagel, I don't know if you got this joke uh when he made a reference to when they said her first last name was Bagela, the, the Bagel. Oh, Bagel. Yeah. And uh uh Robin Aloxley. Yeah, essentially yeah, locks and bagel and locks. Yeah. yeah, it's it's Mel Brooks. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you guys were meant to. You know, he goes, the lady whose heart you stole, you prince of thieves, you. You know, Loxley and Bagel. You guys were meant for each other. Loxley and Bagel. What a combination. You can't miss. Yeah, I had to. Ha- My mom had to explain that to me. I didn't get it. She's like, oh, yeah, bagels and locks. It's, you know, essentially cream cheese. I'm like, oh, which is really well, good, so, especially with the well, salmon. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I thought so locks is smoked salmon. Okay, it's see, salmon. All right, and it I... goes on top of the the schmear, if you will. That's what. It, all right, I just I knew it was like bagels, cream cheese, and and salmon. I was like, that's yeah, that such was... a good combination. I love that. Yeah, remember how I said that my friend was Jewish, and so she had to explain the stuff that was Jewish to me. Mm-hmm. Well. That was one of the things I had to explain to her because I came from a restaurant-oriented family. And she was like, what the hell is lox? I'm like, it's smoked salmon. It goes on the bagel. You got to put the cream cheese on first. But, yeah. Yeah, that's how the salmon stays on there. That was was like our trade-off was was I explained the food. She explained all of the Jewish references to me. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, the circumcisions... uh, scene like right after that when it's like oh, the you know the ladies love it oh, i want one i'll take two you know and he does the the demonstration with the little guillotine the little and, guillotine yeah and then blinken's like question and raises his hand and and dave Chappelle puts his hand right down <laughs> grabs his hand for him like no <laughs> just put a little ice on it you'll be fine <laughs> I need to find younger clients. Yeah, I got to work with a much younger crowd. Um, yeah, there's a whole joke I made about like that's who, like, who circumcised Superman was Moy L. Like he was the guy who did the circumcisions on Krypton. <laughs> Andy, I know you have uh, you have a, a tight schedule, and we've kind of gone over your time. But uh, do you have any final thoughts you want to add before uh, before you bounce out? No, I think that that's pretty much got her got her covered. Um, I thank you for having me on. Um, I said, yeah, I had completely forgotten all about Dracula Dead and loving it. So I think that's what I'm gonna. I think that's gonna be the movie uh, for dinner tonight is nice. Dracula Dead and loving it. Excellent. Is, is um, that something you want me to add to Plex? <laughs> that's what I could definitely. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think I have that in my. Uh, like I have a, a Mel Brooks collection. But I don't think that one's in there. Like I know, like high anxiety and the producers and the twelve chairs, like all those are in there. But I don't know if that one is. I'd have to I have to look. It's over there. I can't reach it from where I am. So. Which, you know what? I haven't done the staff picks for Amalgamania yet. I might actually change my vampire movie now. <laughs> uh oh. 
And if you listen to this show, like if you're one of the four people that listen to this show, then you'll have an unfair advantage when it comes to Andy's Andy's guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Andy. Well, still a mystery. Yes. You're on your own. You're on your own with those ones. Right. Well, Andy, thank yeah. you for uh, for stopping by and, and joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, I've got to I've got to get back aboard the siren song here, lest uh, mutiny is afoot. I know. Uh, oh God, what what do we what do we appoint Sean Jordan? He's um he's the oh, Boswain, and he, you know, yeah, yeah he's he's just he's just chomping at the bit to climb that ladder there. So yeah, uh, he will mutiny. I, I I don't think that he honestly would. Um, no, I know. You know, everybody everybody in all the groups and and the podcast and everything's been really, really great, and I've really been having a good time with it. And oddly um, enough, I think it was right after you had me as a guest on your last show that I was like, okay, like I could I think I could do this podcast thing, and I was like, I just gotta find my niche, and I was like, you know what, let's just uh let's just go with a nautical theme, and yeah. it just kind of took off from there. So. So before um, you uh, before you head out, let folks know where they can find your show and uh, tell them a little bit about the group. Okay, well uh, you can find us at Epic Tales of RPG on Facebook, um, or you can find us on the Epic Tales podcast on Spotify, and I think we're on iTunes now. Um, I know that I upload through Anchor, <laughs> nautical, um, but it does it does post to Spotify. Um, we got a couple of good episodes in. Uh, we look forward to having you aboard the ship there, Patrick. Yeah, uh, I know. I got to get on there. Which will dub Shark Week. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, we've we, we've got that going. Um, we do a lot of dice giveaways. So if you're looking to get into tabletop gaming, um, I'm your guy. That's how I got my first set. Yep. 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 Uh, trying to think what colors I sent you in Ash. Uh, like um, a pinkish, purplish, and oh, a green and gold. Right on. Yeah, we're we're looking to restock those. Um and, and actually we do the new player packs, uh, which I did send you the PDF for that, right? You yep. did get your Okay, yeah, that's where the Who's On First came in at. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the initiative order, Who's On First, the Abbott and Costello. Um But yeah, that's that's uh that's all I've got on my agenda for tonight. Like I said, I'm probably gonna go watch this Dracula Dead and Loving It and uh we'll see you on the next one. All right. Well, Andy, have yourself a great night, and uh, take care. Will do. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye, guy. Bye. All right. So we've been talking about this one for a while, and, you know, I think this is one of his better films. So based on where, where, you know, you've seen several of these films, uh, several of the the Mel Brooks movies, um, I'll start with you, Leo. Where do you where do you rank this one? Like, you know, in your in your pantheon of Mel Brooks films, uh, I, it's definitely in the top five. I, I'd say probably probably top three, number three. There okay. we go. Three. Well, who's uh who's above it? Uh, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, yes, Baseballs, and it's tied with History of the World. Jordan, how about you? Um, this one, then Spaceballs, and then uh, Young Frankenstein. So this one's my top one. Okay. 
I can understand that. Uh, for me, it's got to go Young Frankenstein and then um, Blazing Saddles. After, especially after rewatching it, um, the shit that they got away with on that on that movie, like, you know, it's funny we talked about it last week where it's like. It's like, oh man, that movie could never be made today, and it's like that movie barely got made in 1974. Amen. Like, <laughs> it was tough. Um, so probably uh, this would probably be four. You know, right, right below, like very closely, right below Spaceballs for me, because I'm a huge Star Wars guy. I really enjoy Star Trek, and Spaceballs just kind of combines the two of them. Um, but Young Frankenstein is my is my top. It it has to be because it's the one I've seen the most and the one I, you know, grew up watching. So, um, now did you guys when you first saw it, like obviously Leo, you might you might have gotten most of the jokes because you were like thirty five when that came out, and uh, <laughs> well, this came out what ninety three, ninety three. 93. Okay. So yeah, I was what, 19? So I'm guessing that really none of the jokes, unless it was like, you know, the specific, like, you know, like the trafe joke, like, I don't know how, uh, how familiar you are with the Jewish faith or with, with, uh, at at that time, I was not familiar with it at all. Since then, I've had quite the, uh, learned experience, uh, but uh, yeah, at that time, no, all those flew over my head. Yeah, so, so I was gonna say, so some of those jokes might have might have gone right by you, and you know, when you when you rewatched it and you finally got the jokes, did it enhance the experience for you, or did it like were you just like yeah, I I just enjoyed this movie even without understanding everything? Uh, it definitely enhanced it, and I picked up on a lot of stuff I missed before. Uh, I remember the exit sign, but uh, one thing I caught was uh, when Clint Eastwood, that type character, was uh, up in the tower, and he was oh, in the yeah, yeah in the uh, uh, folio repository or something yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like obviously, the, the, the yeah. book depository. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, obviously JFK reference, but mm-hmm. you know, picked up on stuff like that. It, it definitely added to it. How about you, Jordan? Like you got a lot of the jokes explained to you, but where you were younger, was it like, you know? Um, I think, I think the only one I really needed to go to my mom to figure out was the, the Patriot arrow one. Um, most of the others between myself and my friend, we were able to figure out what was, what was going on. Uh, there were smaller things that we didn't catch when we were younger, like the exit sign, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't catch that until I was until I watched it again when I was like, uh, probably it was probably when I watched it again with my husband, and so I was probably about twenty when I when I finally caught you know that and some of the other little tiny things, um, which it was actually one of the first movies that my husband and I watched together. Uh, We went to a little used movie store and he was like, yeah, go ahead and pick out some movies for us to watch. And I picked out, it was a uh, a Robin Hood Men in Tights Spaceballs double feature DVD. Nice. And uh, yes. And he had never seen either one of them. 
um, my husband's a little bit younger than I am. He's a couple of years younger. So this, so Robin Hood Men and Tights actually came out the year he was born. Um, and he, he had never seen any Mel Brooks movies at all. And I picked a few other movies and we went up to the counter and the guy at the counter, he looks at these movies and he looks at my husband. He wasn't my husband then. We had just started dating and uh, looks at him and is like, you have really good taste in movies. And he's like, I haven't seen any of these movies. She picked out every single one of these movies. And the guy looked at, looked over at me and like kind of did one of those, like looked me up and down. And then looked back at my husband and was like, you need to go marry her right now, because if you don't marry her, I will. (laughs) She has, because these are the kind of movies that she's picking out. You've got a winner right here. And my husband's like, okay. (laughs) So it was one of those things where like, I mean, even it being built up by this cashier, we went home and watched this movie and he was still, you know, rolling on the floor laughing at all of these jokes. Oh, it's so good. Um, yes. And and I mean, it was one of those things where like I could point out the the little things that I had missed when I was younger and he was old enough that he was able to get these jokes cuz mm. he was, you know, 19, 20 years old. And so it was, it was definitely a different experience than the first time I watched it. Um, but I kind of think that it made it better that I had seen these things and I didn't necessarily understand them when I was younger, but I understood them now and could share that stuff with him, um, as an adult. Yeah, definitely like lends itself well to, like, let me show someone this for the first time. And that's going to kind of lead into my next question here. But, you know, I'm the same way. Like, watching these again as an adult, like, even when I just went through all the movies, you know, a few weeks ago and rewatching this again today, it's, you know, you appreciate so much more. Like, I've noticed that since I've done a podcast, like, I watch movies differently, I look at them differently. And it's like you really, you look at, like I was saying earlier, like the writing, like the jokes, the nuance that he puts into his films. And there's like so much like, you know, when he, you know, he swims to England and, you know, there's that big sign England, like right in, you know, on the cliff there. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, there obviously that's not there, but like, it's a parody of the Hollywood sign. But it's like, well, how do you know you're in England? There you go. Like, there's the sign that says England. You know, and he he rents the horse from Rent a Wreck, which was you know a car rental service back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, like there's so many little things like that that he puts into these movies. Where I don't think this movie, in the way it is currently constructed, could be made today. Like, there's a lot of stuff that would have to get taken out or rewritten. But I mean, like. Even the, the the stuff about you know the fagulas and the um, like any any of the stuff about the different ethnicities would have to be yeah. reworked at the very least. Well, even the uh, the scene where uh, Achu is getting beat up and he's like, "Oh, I hope someone's videotaping this." Like that's a direct reference to Rodney King, which was 
Yeah. In April of '92. Like so, that was like less and than a still year. Very, still very, uh, very relevant. Right now. <laughs> yep. Um, so the last question I have before uh, we kind of wrap things up, because uh, you know it's been about an hour and a half at this point. Um, last question I have for you guys is. Now, Jordan, you have you have yourself some youngins. Um, a very yeah, I've got a, I've got a two-year-old. Okay, for some reason I thought you had more more kids. I don't know, but you have a, you have a two-year-old, yeah, so I... you have you have yourself a youngin. Yeah. And, you know, based on what you know of these movies, when do you think you will start showing your kids or your kid? I don't know if you plan on having more. I, not my business, but you know, you have one now. When do you think that you will show your child Mel Brooks movies, and what's the first one that you will show them? Um. Well, so in in the way that I grew up, um, my mom was very you know opposed to to sheltering me. Um, it was one of those things where you know. I was allowed to watch stuff that most other kids were not at all allowed to watch until much older. Um, but, but it was kind of one of those things where she let me watch it with the understanding of, you know, okay, you're hearing all of these curse words, but you're not going to say these curse words. Um, you, you see this, you know, racy scene, but you understand that that's for, you know, that's that's appropriate for adults, but it's not appropriate for kids, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so most most things uh, kind of came with like a like a warning to me, um, and so like we're talking like I was watching um, the Lethal Weapon movies as a little kid, like three four years old, and it wasn't a big deal. Um. And, and we're not we're not talking about you know the the my friend bleeped out versions. We're yeah, we're talking like version. full blown, all of it. Um, and my mom was always very opposed to um, when other parents wanted to like shelter their kids. Uh, I remember going to church and there was one family that they were upset that their child learned what death was. And the kid was like five. And my mom's like, what do you mean? Um, my mom's like, what do you mean your kid's learning what death is at five years old and you're upset about it? They have to learn what this stuff is at some point in time. Right. You can't shield them from it for the rest of their lives. I mean, yes, it's, it's upsetting that, you know, they have to learn about it, but... You can't, you can't hide these things from them. And so my husband and I are kind of taking that same route where, you know, we let her watch things with us. Um, I, I try to, I try to keep her from watching, you know, the scary stuff just cause I don't need her to have nightmares or anything like that. Yeah. But we do let her watch stuff with us and she's still too young to understand right now. But as she gets older, we, will um, explain more things to her and, you know, okay, this is what's happening here. This is, this is something you'll learn more about as an adult. 
this, that, and the other thing. Um, so she's actually she's actually already seen all of the. Uh, hang on a second. Um, she's actually seen uh, Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights nice. and um, Young Frankenstein and all of that stuff. Um, but she doesn't necessarily understand that she's seen it yet. So. Right at two, it's hard to uh, remember stuff like that. Yeah. So. So it's not something that we're going to put like some kind of age limit on, like, you know, oh, you've got to be 10 years old to watch this because she's already seen it. Right. Um, and we're going to continue watching the stuff that we're going to watch. We're just going to explain to her as she gets older what's actually going on and what, what's the deal so that she's not sheltered. Um, that makes sense. I think so. I think I turned out quite splendidly myself (laughs) (laughs) i would agree uh leo like i know you you don't have any youngins uh you have the the puppy but uh i mean there's really no age limit on what dogs can watch uh i would hold off on uh all dogs go to heaven you know for a little while oh i i can't i I can't hold off on old yeller and marley and me (laughs) i i saw old yeller was when i was a kid and uh yeah i uh I can't watch dog movies. One of the few films where the uh, titular hero uh, dies at the end. Yeah. Um, I will. Uh, so I will. I will pass on to you. Like you know, you know whether you decide to have kids or not, or if you have nieces or nephews that you know you want to you want to show this these films to. Uh, same question. You know, what's uh, what do you think is an appropriate age? Well, uh, all my nieces and nephews are quite old as well <laughs> uh like in their 40s uh i i have one niece that's actually older than me which is crazy <clears throat> but i uh i grew up in like a brady bunch type of family uh so uh and grew up on a very in very large family i was the last out of uh six sisters four brothers jesus uh, yeah, but it was yeah, like I said, Brady Bunch. You know, were your Mom parents rabbits? <laughs> well, my parents were. Uh, my dad had uh, you know his family, you know, and my mom had her family, and then they both lost their significant others, met, and then they had me. So I was the last in the line of you know many siblings. So they didn't really give a shit. The last drop <laughs> in the pond. <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a miracle. I survived childhood cause I was left alone to my own like devices quite often and they didn't care what I watched. They didn't care what I did. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and I think I turned out fine as well. So yeah. it's just, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, if we decide to have kids, you know, is, you know, whenever they're watching TV, we can throw space balls on. So no age limit there. Yeah, I, I think I would uh, tend to agree. Like, you know, Ash, Ash and I have had this conversation a few times about like, you know, because we know we grew up watching. Like, I grew up, you know, renting the shit out of the Monster Squad, and there's some pretty brutal stuff in there. You know, lots of people dying, getting stabbed. You know, that armadillo scene at the very beginning when the the bride, the the vampire bride, is like eating the armadillo. Like, that's that's not something for a kid to watch, but we did. Um, the making of thriller is a a movie that we rented so often they were just like you can have it Um, (laughs) you know so stuff like that I think 
for me, like if you know, like Jordan was saying, like with horror stuff, meh, maybe wait on that. But like something like Spaceballs or Young Frankenstein, like show them the comedic side of horror. You know, you know, like Homer said with a. Uh, you know, in the the episode with Mel Brooks, and he's like, "That movie, Young Frankenstein, scared the hell out of me." And he's like, "Well, that's not really what I was going for." But, um, you know, if you well, can, there's enough, there's enough stuff in in his movies that you know, a kid might not understand the adult jokes, but you know, they're gonna understand that oh, a bird pooped on her hand, or oh. He's in, on the toilet, and the castle got dragged away, and now he's not. <laughs> yeah, like the 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 so, whole scene with Gene Hackman in in uh, Young Frankenstein. You know, like that's funny, no matter how old you are. It's like, oh, he just poured the hot soup in his lap. Oh, he, he lit his thumb on fire instead of the cigar. Like, yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, like there's enough in those movies. And I think if you show, I think for me, what helped me not have nightmares with horror movies is seeing, you know, again, the making of Thriller, like seeing the behind the scenes, like this is how they did the makeup. This is how they did that. Here's all the people out of makeup doing the dance. Here's how all this was done so that when you see it, you know, you're like, oh, well, that's not. That's not you can you can recognize what's you know what's real and what's not. And... Right, it's no different from going out on Halloween, except these people have millions of dollars behind their costumes, and you know yours was purchased at CVS fifteen minutes ago. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I think that's a a good call, and I think that's a good place for us to kind of wrap things up. So before we uh, go, oh go ahead. actually. Before we do, this was a little piece of trivia uh, oh, that I just read. So uh, Hulk Hogan was offered a part of Little John, but he turned it down. Bad career move. And so uh, <laughs> then I wanted to see what Little John did. And uh, so Little John was played by uh, Eric Allen Kramer. He was in some uh, sitcom. I can't think of what it is, though. Uh He's grounded for life, maybe, or something. He was recently on Mom, uh, Mike and Molly, uh, The Thundermans, Hot in Cleveland. Uh, let's see what else. Well, what I wanted to bring up though is uh, just recently he was uh, the voice of Iron Mike in Days Gone for PlayStation 4. Oh, I haven't played that yet, but that's interesting. You haven't played Days Gone? No, nah, not yet. You need okay. You need to play. It. Oh my okay. god, that is. Well, I've been I've been playing Man Eater. Oh, Man Eater's out. Yeah, Man Eater came out last week. Yeah. Oh shit, I need to get it. No, two weeks ago, the twenty second. I haven't been playing it a lot. I'm only level six, and I keep getting killed by gators. But um, it's really like it's it's great. Uh, Scaly Pete is a dick. But uh, when you anyone who's played like the opening tutorial knows what I'm talking about. Scaly Pete sucks. Uh, and I like this because it's kind of like a revenge story. You know, like any good RPG, it's, you know, a revenge story. Are, but, are uh, you playing on PlayStation 4? Yeah. And it's a shark RPG? Yep, a shark PG. The shark PG. <laughs> that's that's what Tripwire calls it. Like I've known about this for months, and I kept trying to pre-order it, 
But for whatever reason, every link that they gave you for PlayStation wouldn't allow it. Like, even the day that I went to buy it, the day it came out, I searched for it on the PlayStation Store on my PS4. Wouldn't come up. Like, when I searched Maneater, you know what came up? Maneater by Holland Oates for Guitar Hero. That's the only thing that came up. So I'm like, well, that's weird. Let me let me jump on my computer. Nothing came up. I had to buy it through the app, the PlayStation app. I saw you post about it on Facebook. Like you had shared a picture of it. Yeah. And like like the same day or two days later, I saw other people on my Facebook feed that were basically like, oh, I can't wait till next week till I can get Maneater. And I'm like, or until it comes out. And I'm like, but it's out. Yeah, it came out on the 22nd. I'm like, unless Patsy somehow got like a an advanced copy. No, they, they showed, they, I, I followed, someone alerted me to Tripwire. Tripwire Interactive, who made the game. And this is powered by the Unreal Engine, Unreal 4, which I think is the same engine, like graphics engine that does like uh, Injustice and Mortal Kombat. Um and I started following them, so I've been waiting. You know, I followed them on Twitter, and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Then I found out, I was like, oh, it's this week, you know. And I tried pre-ordering it. I tried pre-ordering it. And I, like I said, I couldn't, couldn't get it on PlayStation, even the day it came out. Couldn't get it on PlayStation.com. I had to buy it through the PlayStation app on my phone. That's how I got it. And I kind of well, wanted a physical copy, but... I just bought it. I I hope I just bought it. Uh, <laughs> like as we're talking yeah, right now, the knockoff version. <laughs> no, I, I through the PlayStation Store, but it was a weird checkout, which was odd. So hopefully, hopefully it went through. It's a guy Chomper, right? Like that's the name of the game, Guy Chomper. <laughs> I'm gonna go downstairs see if I can install it right now. Uh, as soon as we're done. <laughs> All right, so. Um, <laughs> 16 bit game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, 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 again, I, I really like it. But uh, yeah, um, let's wrap this up because uh, I'm sure you guys have stuff to do, things to, like, I know Leo has to go play uh, Man Eater. Um, so before we go, uh, Jordan, where can uh, folks find your contributions to the interwebs? Um, well, I'm one of the admins on Amalgamania. So I have, uh, I think five segments that I do, um, between each week or every other week. Um, right now I have a Amalgamania mascot contest, um, going for our art segment. So if anybody wants to enter, just draw us a mascot and, um, you can submit it on the page or send it straight to my inbox. Um, you can also find me on the Amalga files. Um, we usually run that podcast every other week, uh, on the Dorkening network, uh, Spotify, iTunes. Um, and sometimes you can find me on the Amalga cast, uh, also on Spotify, iTunes, all of that. I like your, uh, relationship goal segment that you do on, uh, Amalgamania. I enjoy that. Oh, every Thursday. Yes, every Thursday. <laughs> and Leo, uh, you occasionally dabble in the podcasting arena. Uh, where can folks find you? Like, you're not very uh, busy. Like, it's very seldom uh, that 
that uh, people can see your, your stuff, but, uh, <laughs> uh, well, as you know, I run the Dorkening podcast network. You can find that on the dorkening.com and there's over 30 shows on the network now. And, uh, we're, uh, I also started doing a, uh, live comedy show on the weekends with Roger Cabler. Uh, so that okay. is not on the network. That is just a live comedy show that we stream live. Uh, also doing uh, the show with the Token Dead guys, uh, doing Wicked Horror Show, uh, doing the Dorkening on Wednesdays. And uh, we're still trying to get that in- indie show off. Uh, we need to get Phil figure out when his available availability is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, too much stuff going on. We have a couple just... in the can. We just, you know, have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One or two. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, and then- you're going to find me on my couch recently installing uh, Maneater. Excellent. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for uh, joining me. Jordan, I'm fine. I'm happy that we were finally able to get you on the show because we had the same issues way back uh, in like November when we were trying to get you on for the Star Wars show. So I'm glad yeah. we were finally able to get you on here. I'm glad you were able to contribute. Um, yeah, and thank you guys for uh, – yes, Leo. Oh, 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 I went to my download list. Man, Maneater is listed on my download list, so I can go install it. Okay, good. All right. That, that along with Farming Simulator 19 from last uh, last month's... Uh, oh, the free game? I did not yeah. download Farming Simulator. Like, uh, that... I mean, you grew up on a farm, so it's a little different. Like, I didn't have any interest in it. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I want to get on the yard work simulator. Ooh, I feel like I'm virtually raking. Uh, well, you know, talking about uh, growing up, uh, you know, uh, I think I was driving a tractor when I was like nine or ten. You know, as you know. I don't even start with tractors. Yeah. My husband collects them. We have nine. We have nine tractors. Oh, do nice. you know how much? Do you know how much land we live on? How much? We live on. We live on two and a half acres of land, and we have nine tractors. Well, you know, if something happens and eight of them break down, you'll be glad for that last one. <laughs> <laughs> they all serve different purposes, but like four of them are farmal H's, and oh. he just keeps buying them. And I'm like, <laughs> did we need a fourth one? He's like, well, we didn't need it, but they were getting rid of it. So I'm like, yeah. all right. Do we really need anything? You know, like pre- presents it like a philosopher. Do we really he's like, need? He's like, you can buy more books. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Books don't take up quite as much room as tractors. I mean, unless you're really dedicated. Yeah, but tractors are real fun. They just. I don't know if I would. I can't imagine a situation in which I would need nine of anything. Like if I had nine cars, my wife would be like, "What are you doing?" Um, some of the tractors end up going to the agricultural fairground each year. Uh, however, because of the coronavirus, uh, the agricultural fair got canceled this year. So, wait, 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 do you race tractors? Uh, no, okay. no, no, no. Okay. We don't. We don't race tractors. Um. Some some of our friends do uh, do tractor pulls and yeah, uh, race tractors. Okay. Um, he does the truck pulls, but no, um, he does some of the maintenance at the agricultural fairgrounds. Um, 
so he he mows the fields and stuff and they have a um a tractor show every year nice so so he enters a bunch of the tractors in there um he i think won oldest tractor last year he also won one of the best uh restoration tractors last year um and then he usually has one that's running for the sawmill that he works at um during the fair uh him and his friend run uh, an old-fashioned uh double lot frick sawmill one of the old old sawmills um and they have to use a tractor for the planer so he usually has one or two of the tractors sitting there for that but like i said because of the coronavirus the fair got canceled so all nine tractors are in our backyard right now (laughs) (laughs) um one tractor has a backhoe attachment for it. Um, one has a disc uh, that we use for our, some would call it a garden, some would call it a small plot. Um, the the garden runs uh, longer than the width of our house. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a it's a it's a large garden, um, if you will. So um, he does use the tractors, but he by no means needs nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a good start. Um, but I mean, if you're really serious, like you need a lot more than nine. Uh, he had more than nine. He has he has slowly sold a couple of them. I think he's afraid that I'm going to murder him in his sleep. <laughs> you know, I have one with a backhoe I could bury in no problem. Oh, your garden looks amazing. What did you do? I used some different fertilizer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, for joining. Uh, that was definitely the first tractor conversation I ever had. Uh, and I think that was very interesting. I did not know that. Um, so thank you guys very much. Um, I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day. I know that's Sunday afternoon. Now it's Sunday evening. And uh, we've been going for, let's see, how long? What do we got? Uh, just shy of two hours. So yeah, two, two, hours. two yeah. hours, six minutes. I'm, well, yeah, there's probably some. There's some yeah. There. But yeah. thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Uh, and folks, check out, obviously, I'm, I'm biased, but check out the Dorkening Network. Uh, a lot of quality shows like the dorkening and you know wicked horror show and shark bites shark bites is a a fairly quality show i occasionally get some good guests on that uh, elevate my quality so the promo to shark bites is oh, i just love it <laughs> i do enjoy that one the the flintstone song yeah yeah yeah, yeah. shark bites yeah i got the idea watching the Simpsons with uh, Homer driving down the street. He's like, Simpson, Homer Simpson, he's the greatest guy in his story. From the town of Springfield, he's about to hit a chestnut tree, and he just smashes his car straight into it. <laughs> and it's one of the best Simpsons jokes there is. It's, it's brilliant. But yeah, I'll let you guys go. Leo, you can go uh, play your uh, shark game and tell me what you think. And, uh, Maybe this is something we have to talk about, uh, you know, when we discuss the PlayStation 5, because I should be able to join you if you're doing Thursday this week. 
Yeah, Thursday. Yeah, that's going to be a yeah. Okay, with, with all the PlayStation yeah. stuff, we'll we'll discuss it then, and uh, awesome. hopefully by then I've killed a uh, an alligator in the game. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and Jordan, uh, thank you again for finally uh, being able and and having patience with us as we work through. And uh, Leo, thank you for uh, finagling things and getting everything uh, all set because I tried getting Jordan through my yeah. phone. I tried getting it through the the app, and Leo was able to save the day with his, uh, like I described, uh, his mixer compared to mine is like, you know, a medieval suit of armor, like the ones that, you know, dominoed down on each other in uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, compared to like the Iron Man suit that Tony wears when he's like, I am Iron Man at the end of uh, uh, Endgame. So like, there's a slight technological difference. Just, just a minute. It's like... (laughs) it's like the difference between a catapult and you know a supersonic transport so yeah yeah, uh thank you guys and thank uh, you we will uh, we will see you soon and uh, i'll be right back after these messages deadly grounds coffee knows how important your coffee is to you every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings! We are the Retro Reductopus Cephala Podcast, the bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons, I don't know, help me out here. Music. Pants. Quoting video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans. Tasty news. Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia. Butt breathers. Uncomfortable nature facts. Or how to install a samoplange. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retroidocubus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. Of problems. Hey, they might still suck. But they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retroidoctopus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar podcast networks, with new episodes every Tentacle Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do ye have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? Would ye rather eat a cod piece than another boring candy bar? Then it's time for ye to sink your teeth into Mythical Meats Exotic Game Sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack featuring dragon, chupacabra, and werewolf. 
more in the mood for something a bit milder, try the Creatures of the Sky sample pack with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the Exotic Flavor sample pack featuring all ten flavors so you can find your favorite. Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary. I'm Matthew. I'm Jason. And I'm Matteo. And we're Majama. The creators of Bad CGI Sharks. And you're listening to the Shark Bites Podcast. Ladies are hard to get on. Let's face it, you gotta be a man to wear tights. Will, help me, seems perfect. Every time. We're men, we're men in tights. We roam around the forest looking for bites. We're men, we're men in tights. From the rich and give to the poor, that's right! We may look like sissies, but what would you say or else we'll put out your lights? We're men, we're men in tights, always on guard defending the people's rights. La 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 Apologies for anybody who was looking for this on Tuesday, because uh, I don't know if uh, my listeners saw, I'm not sure, but uh, there was the uh, the blackout on social media, uh, not posting anything on you know Twitter, Facebook, etc., um, because of all the riots, because of uh, all the racial injustice. I generally don't get political on the show, but the events of the last few days have really made it difficult for you know, lots of people to keep them, uh, their, their, their mouths shut and their, their voices silent. And, you know, this is just something that is unbelievably frustrating to me and unbelievably, like, I don't understand how this works. I don't understand how you could hate someone so viciously that you want to be violent towards them and that you want to hurt them simply because they are a different color than you. That doesn't make any sense to me. I will never understand it. I've never understood it. It doesn't make any sense. It's one of the dumbest fucking things I have ever like encountered in my life. The fact that, oh, this guy has a darker skin tone than me. I must hate him. I must be violent towards that person because no other reason. They have not wronged me. They've done nothing to me, but the mere fact of their existence angers me to the point where I have to uh, lash out violently 
it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how people can get up and and look at themselves in the mirror and it's like, yep, I'm a good person. I do good things. I'm a good Christian or I'm a good, you know, whatever, uh, you know, father, son, husband, mother, daughter, wife. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I The two things cannot coexist. You cannot say you are a good anything and have those beliefs. Like, and if that offends you, if that causes problems with your delicate sensitivities, if you think that, well, I can be a good person and I can be racist, you know what? You can go fuck yourself, take yourself off of my show. Do not follow my show anymore. Do not listen to anything that I have to say because you are not worth my words. You know, for those of you who uh, are on my side and do believe the things that I believe, that, you know, human rights are a a a a, a uh, something that should be granted to everyone regardless of what you look like then uh, I would like to pass on some information that I received from asking some of the folks because as a a white male I have not a straight white male I have not uh, had to face the types of persecution and you know I don't fear for my life driving down the street. I don't fear for my life, uh, you know, wearing a hoodie when it's cold at night. I don't fear for my life, you know, running around uh, playing with my my niece, you know, in the backyard. You know, uh, I, I, I just, I don't fear for my life when I'm pulled over for, you know, speeding or if I have a, uh, you know, if I see flashing lights behind me, I, you know, from a, from a police car, I'm not worried that this is going to be... Uh, my my last day so i can't understand it and i'm not going to pretend that i do and i've asked some of the the folks who i know who have experienced this and some of the advice that i got was if this is truly an outrage to you if this is truly something that upsets you uh prove it you know show your support in a variety of ways uh give voices to those who don't you know it does. I'm not saying you have to go out into the streets and march and walk hand in hand. If that's something that you can do and that you are comfortable doing, then you do that. Like I'm not going to tell you to do anything that you don't want to do or that you are comfortable uncomfortable doing. I'm not going to suggest that you do anything violent because you know we've seen what happens when folks uh, are even perceived to be violent, and that's how we got to where we are in the first place. And in fact, you don't even have to be violent. The thing that I will suggest is do what you can. If you can contribute to uh, certain cities and counties have uh, have funds for bail for protesters who get arrested, um, if you can donate to that, if you can, you know, um, you know, a- amplify voices on social media, if you can try to have rational discourse with people. You know, the folks who say all lives matter, not understanding that while we shouldn't have to say black lives matter, uh, it's abundantly clear that some people need to be reminded that black lives matter. Um, you know, giving giving people a chance, you know, have a rational discussion. If you are not sure about what to do, talk to someone. Talk to one of your friends. If you have people of color in your life who have experienced this type of uh, this type of thing, talk to them and say, "Hey, 
I want to be a better ally. How can I be a better ally? What can I do? How can I help you? What are some of the things that I can do myself to make sure that I don't fall into this trap? You know, and I don't want to hear, well, they shouldn't have rioted because, I, you know, I don't condone that, but I understand. No, you don't understand. When a peaceful protest over the death of yet another unarmed black man, like there, there were four police, he was in handcuffs, he was not resisting, and the cop stood, uh, knelt with his knee on George Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes. That is not proper police procedure. There is nothing in the rule book that says this is what you should do. His life was not in danger. There was no need for this. The man was calling out for his mother. He was saying he couldn't breathe. And I don't want to hear the bullshit. Well, if you say I can't breathe, you can breathe. Yes, you can exhale those those words out. Yes, you absolutely can. But if your airway is being restricted, you are not getting enough oxygen. That's why he passed out. And that is why he died. There was no reason for it. So when people protest that and are pepper sprayed and are shot with rubber bullets and they have tear gas launched in their direction, what do you think is going to happen? Especially when a couple of weeks ago you see a whole shitload of armed, heavily armed white people storming into a Capitol building. You know, where the lawmakers are because they can't go to fucking Applebee's or they can't get their hair cut because there's a goddamn pandemic. You know, that's perfectly okay. Don't attempt to, uh, you know, to get those people away. Those aren't violent protesters. There's nothing violent about that. You know, just walking the street with fucking rocket launchers, which there's pictures of one guy doing at a goddamn subway. Who the fuck has a rocket launcher to begin with? And who brings it to a fucking subway? Like, what kind of macho asshole do you have to beat in order to do that? And who brings fucking guns to a Capitol building, screams in the face of, of, of law enforcement while there's lawmakers there? The lawmakers had to put on bulletproof vests because they were in fear of their lives. And fun fact about these Capitol buildings is it wasn't just uh, the one incident because it also happened in Kentucky. Fun fact about this. You can bring guns into the Capitol building, but you can't bring a fucking picket sign because that could be used as a weapon. Guns are fine, not a wooden sign, not a piece of cardboard with fucking sparkle paint on it. That's too far. AK-47, have at it, Hoss. But no fucking sparkle paint on cardboard. That's, that's dangerous. You know, oh, there's, it's attached to a wooden stick. Oh, well, that wooden stick might break and someone could get a splinter and, you know, you could get infected. You know, we can't have that. Oh, you have an assault rifle? Right this way. Not only that, they had all these fucking quote-unquote protesters go around the metal detector so they wouldn't set it off. So I don't understand how that is okay. And those people are allowed to make their protest because they need a, they need a, uh, they need a haircut. That's fine. You know, when a sports team either wins or loses uh, in a championship round and people go insane and start flipping over cars and setting, th- setting mattresses on fire, which has happened at several colleges over the past 20, 25 years. Or, you know, the, take the case at Penn State where 
Joe Paterno was finally fired because he was covering up for a fucking child molester for four goddamn decades. You know, people got outraged over that and they rioted. That's fine. That's perfectly okay because all the faces in the crowd were white. But as soon as somebody of color decides that they don't want to be senselessly murdered anymore, suddenly there's a fucking problem. Suddenly there's an issue. And these people are all of a sudden labeled thugs. Oh, they're terrible people. Well, I understand what they're, what they're doing, but why don't they protest peacefully? Because when they protest peacefully, nobody fucking listens. People got outraged because goddamn Colin Kaepernick took a fucking knee for this exact issue. And everyone said he was blowing everything out of proportion. Uh, Madden, the EA Sports that produces the Madden video games, uh, on Monday put out a statement saying we're not going to release this Madden game and you know because uh, you know we don't want to take away any of the focus because people love Madden and it's a huge franchise uh, you know NFL is one of the biggest money making organizations on the planet like we don't want to we don't want to uh, take away from from this man's memory and I thought to myself I said you know what that's a that's a classy move by EA but I started reading some of the tweets underneath of it because they posted this on Twitter and I wasn't sure if it was true. So I reached out to a couple of people and asked them. Apparently this same, this same uh, company and organization that doesn't want to take away from, you know, the, 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 the memory of a, uh, of another uh, black man killed by the police also edit used a song in their previous version of the game. I couldn't tell you the name of the song because I don't know. I haven't bought a Madden game in a decade. Um, I still play Madden 12. So um, <clears throat> the song that they played mentioned Colin Kaepernick's name and EA edited it out. So on the one hand, they're saying we respect the memory of George Floyd. But on the other hand, they edit out the name of the man who initially brought this uh this protest you know to a, a, a main stage like he was the first him and eric reed were the first to really bring this to the forefront like he started this whole thing you know and i don't want to hear if you're not a fan of what Ka kaepernick did saying that kneeling is disrespectful after talking to a service member you know like is this a respectful because he would just sit on the bench and the service member said, no, if you, if you kneel, if you take a knee, that's more respectful. He doesn't want to stand during the national anthem because he cannot glorify a country that does not represent him. You saw the same thing with Muhammad Ali and the protests that he made over going to Vietnam. He said, I will not go to Vietnam because I am not going to go fight for a country that makes me out to seem the bad guy. You know, people, if a country doesn't value my life, why am I going to go over there and risk that life to defend the people who hate me? And that makes sense. Why would you? I can't understand the... the <laughs> It boggles my mind how people can hate this way. And, you know, for anybody that's still 
you know, defends Trump, anybody that still defends anything he says or does, you know, he sits there the other day and says, he's standing in the fucking Rose Garden and he says, I'm the president of law and order. I, I, I will protect everybody who, who protests peacefully because I believe in your right to protest. You know, I will protect you. I'll protect you. you know, oh, law and order, law and order, law and order. And then has peaceful protesters tear gassed and they throw flashbangs to clear out this crowd. So he can walk across the street, stand in front of a church, holding a Bible upside down, and get his picture taken. That's how much he believes in law and order and your right to peacefully protest. That he will tear gas you so he can get his fucking picture taken because he thinks it's a good photo op. That's who people are defending. So all I can say is... Get your asses to the polls in November. Vote these people out. If you live in Kentucky, get McConnell out because he is every bit as dangerous and he has he has uh, allowed Trump to do everything that he has done because he the Republicans have controlled the Senate and he is the, the majority leader. He has allowed them to do everything. Well, that's enough of that. There's going to be a lot more on uh, Throwdown Thursday this week because Ashes and I are discussing uh, V for Vendetta and how very similar it is. You know, the rise of uh, the rise to power of the uh, main villain in that is to Trump's rise to power. So uh, there's going to be a lot more anger, a lot more frustration, and you know, I think that even though we're angry and frustrated and, and just, you know, over this whole situation, um, what we're feeling is nothing compared to, you know, our, our brothers and sisters that are being oppressed every single fucking day. And so my heart is with you guys. Uh, I'm doing everything I can to be a better ally. I've reached out to some, some folks that I know that can help me along that way. And if you have folks that you know you can reach out to, do it. And they will tell you what they need. And they will tell you how you can help. Um. <sighs> uh, I'll just give you a quick shark fact because it is it is what I do on this show. Uh, my shark fact this week is uh, there is a, a, a member of the cat shark family. Because there's cat sharks, obviously. There's there's dogfish sharks, so there's there's catfish, there's cat sharks. Uh, there's one that's actually called the mouse cat shark, which I think is kind of oxymoronic, but uh, there you have it. So, to everybody out there, uh, stay safe. You know, do what you can, but please be safe. You know, uh, protest peacefully. Don't get caught up in, you know, when if somebody starts something, you know, try to try to get away from it. Um, don't contribute to the negative stereotypes that are out there. You know, I mean, we've all seen the different videos of of, you know, things escalating when one person throws a brick through a window or one person throws a water bottle at a police car or, 
you know, just please be careful. And, uh, you know, the world is a much better place with you in it. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say. Um, Black Lives Matter, folks. Um, if you don't understand that and you don't get that, then I have nothing more to say to you. Thank you.